Oil prices sank to historic lows, at one point reaching negative $40 a barrel. Negative 40 bucks. I think that means when you go to the gas station, you get a free tank and $40 worth of Slim Jims. Now, to save their profits, Texas oil fields are immediately switching over to drilling for toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good joke. Uh, yeah, they were uh, they were paying you to fill up your gas tank yesterday in the middle of the day when oil went below zero. And oh, I saw hey, I drove by I'm a sorry. Shell station. They were just oh, standing out there whizzing oil all over the place. Just had all the things running, just oh, pouring yeah. oil out under the because it's just cheaper to get rid of it. Right, exactly. Just right into the storm drains, hundreds <laughs> of gallons. It's the only thing to do. It was minus forty dollars a barrel. You'd have been $40 to the good if you didn't have a barrel of oil. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, count your blessings. <laughs> yeah, it was craziness. Positive, Sean, you've been studying this uh, phenomenon somewhat. What the hell is How that happened? What's that even mean? So, the best of my understanding of this is oil is purchased on, on kind of a month-by-month contract basis. Those monthly contracts expired today. And with nobody buying oil... There was less purchasing of oil, and when you renew the contracts, it's it's dependent upon receiving a certain number of barrels on on signing up. You know, so the contracts were expiring. People weren't ordering more oil, and so people just needed a place to put all. There this just stuff. literally was no place to put it. Well, and here's here's the problem: the oil traders don't have a physical location for the oil. Right? They're they're contractors. They're 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 brokers. And so you're sitting there in an office in your starch white shirt and your tie, you know, typing into a computer. You don't have some five million dollar tank down there in the uh, the cafeteria. You're just facilitating trade. So yeah, these guys had, in essence, five million gallons of crude oil or whatever, and nowhere to put it. So they were just begging people to take it off their hands. And, oh, it's uh, craziness. And but it's, got- it's bounced back to like minus five dollars a barrel or something. It keeps going up and down. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, insane. my New York Times alert from a half hour ago, the record oil market collapse continues and U.S. stocks fell for a second day. So we'll see where we end up. But I'm not, a, you know, I'm not trading oil on a daily basis, so it doesn't really have an effect on me. But it just it's, it's weird when you hear that, obviously, in the middle of the day. Um, this is isn't it good news. It's got to be punishing the heck out of Iran and Russia. It is. It's punishing the heck out of a lot of American businesses, too. Um, you know, and I hate to be too gleeful as they're taking punches in the nose, but uh, yeah, it's got to be killing Putin. Well, I can well, be, and the mullahs. I can be gleeful or sad. I don't really have any effect on the uh, the price. You can be heard, though. You can be heard. I can be heard. Yes, you can affect be heard. On people's attitudes. And you don't be heard doing that. Don't, uh, don't be. It's not. Uh, it's not right. Uh, the uh, the the Russians, but I know Russia's economy and Iran, their their entire system is built on oil being at a certain price. And I know for Russia, it's something like sixty, seventy dollars a barrel. Anything below there, and they can't really function as a society. Well, how are they managing now? It's got to be brutal. Yeah. Yeah, well, and Russia can't borrow and print money like the U.S. of A. either. The ruble yeah, is not the world's. It's not. You know, uh, it's not certain that we can either. We'll we'll find out in a decade. Ah, so far, so good. We'll find out in a decade or two. Quit your whining. Just now keep that he's money machine going. Just <laughs> keep cranking out the money. <laughs> I haven't seen any problems so far. No. <laughs> God dang it! I got into a. Uh, did you get? To, did you go into that YouTube video that our friend sent us yesterday? Explaining the current uh, state of the economy and gold and everything like that. No, that was no. that was just that was th- too much doom. Yeah. Oh man, 
I got like halfway into that and thought, what, what is this going to do for me? Give me a heart attack and I die? Is that an I know, advantage? I know. But, hey, Mr. X, cut it out with that stuff, all right? A bunch of economic geniuses explaining how various countries have tried what we're doing throughout world history with currency. Uh, and gotten themselves into trouble and think, oh, no, we'll be fine. We'll just continue to, you know, do this and that. Well, they weren't us, Jack. (laughs) Yeah, I I believe in American exceptionalism. I don't believe in American magicalism. I don't think we can reinvent all the rules of economics just because we want to. Or reinvent math. Right. Yeah, exactly. So last year... We had a, a, a $1 trillion deficit. We, we spent more a trillion more than we took in, which is extraordinary. Horrific. In one of the best years economically in the history of money. <laughs> it's just, right. You can't have a more amazing year than we had last year, and we spent a trillion more than we took in. They're thinking this year, the, the track we're on right now, we're going to spend $4 trillion more than we take in. Oh, this lovely. will be the all-time record, and that'll put us at $27 trillion in debt. You know, the fact that this year's insane overspending is bipartisan is not that surprising, given the, given the situation. But last year, keep this in mind, my friends. You have a Republican White House, Republican Senate, Democratic House, and on a bipartisan basis, they agreed to overspend by a trillion dollars. That's just sick now as, as we've mentioned many times you look at the track of spending and overspending it just goes up 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 no matter which party is in the white house or, or each house of congress well that that's you know a long-term structural problem that is unsustainable there's no getting around that but in terms of this moment right now uh neil kashkari is that his name for some reason i struggle yeah. with his name yeah bald-headed guy ran for governor in california anyway he's on the um he's on the team that dealt with the Great Recession in 2008 and on the team that's dealing with this right now. And his belief is, and you know, maybe he's just being a salesman like, like Trump, just trying to sound optimistic because a lot of the economy runs on optimism. If everybody gets scared and stops spending, you, it's a, what do you call that? A self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, if everybody's feeling confident and, and spending money and doing their normal thing, we can float. But anyway, uh, Kashkari's belief is our, we are just such a giant economic juggernaut. We can withstand this. We are so big, so huge, so productive. We're, we're, there's no, there's no chance, at least for now, of a problem. And I hope, I sure hope to hell he's right. It, with the overspending. Yeah. 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 And, and the printing money and everything like that. I, so, although the, the amount got a, of the federal budget that's repaying debt right now is already big. And the interest rates are at mind-boggling lows. I gotta believe, though, that that is based on, sure, we are so giant and so productive, we can pick up the, we can pick up the slack on that if we pick up the slack on that. If when we're out of this, we get our acts together. But if we don't get our act together, then no, we won't be okay. And do you think we'll get our act together when this is over? I don't think there's any chance of that. Neither party. Is there any political will? No. For cutting spending or and raising taxes, which you'd have to do both to get out of this problem. It is a combination of a cultural problem. The electorate has no interest in anything but gimme, gimme, gimme. And you have two parties that are more than delighted to pander to that impulse. So, I don't know. I guess we'll all find out how it ends together. And you know, the other governments <laughs> in history that all of a sudden went broke, they didn't think this was going to happen either. Right. That wasn't their plan. It wasn't their plan. It's the old Hemingway thing. How did you go broke gradually, then suddenly? 
All of a sudden, you cross a line and pow, you're just so broke, there's no getting out of it. And everybody's saying, how'd that happen? Well, I can look back over this chart and explain it to you. It doesn't really make any difference at this point. I'm going to eat that chart for dinner, by the way. So (laughs) You're going to have to sleep under it. (laughs) Oh, speaking of things of multiple pages, the WAPO and the... uh uh, University of Maryland got together on a poll asking people how they think uh, the federal government's doing and, and various other stuff, so we can hit you with some polls. Oh, results. I want to hear that. <clears throat> it ain't so great. I had one more thing I wanted to Folks mention. Folks are not in the cheeriest of moods right now. Oh, my son, uh, he got assigned a, 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 a paper for Wednesday on the Zoom classroom yesterday of uh, should it be mandatory that people vote for president? was the question they put to the fourth graders. And you have to mm. come up with four reasons, yes or no. And okay. um, and my son was kind of worried about it because it's, it's like the most free-form thing they've done at this point in his career, uh. where it's just kind of like wide open, what you can Play do. Playtime's over, son. <laughs> I said, well, here's the advantage of this sort of thing. There's no wrong answer. The, the way they're going to approach it, if there's anything you came up with pretty much, for or <laughs> against, they're going to say it's fine. It's just, you know, come up with something and and write it down in a in a sentence that makes sense. Um, so that's the good side. And actually, that seems to continue all the way through high school. For, no, that is exactly the wrong message to give them. What kind of parenting is that? <laughs> you tell them you think the school grades harshly. If you get it past me, they're going to think you're a college student. So I, get I did, started on your rough draft. I did tell them I know the answer in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be good delighted to tell you. Reasoning, schmeasoning, ask somebody. <laughs> but uh, he came up with it. I was proud of him that he threw this out. Uh, some free speech constitution stuff. And uh, that is interesting. Interesting. I wasn't even thinking about that angle of it, but so would that be considered violating your free speech since it would be speech to not vote? Would that be considered speech? Yeah, absolutely. I, I Compulsory speech is in violation of the uh, First Amendment, too. Especially given the fact that when you get down to a presidential election, you generally have, you know, real realistically, there are two choices. What if one of the options is none of the above? You just have to participate. You don't have to choose no, one of the people. No, no, no. The freedom to not do is as important as the freedom to do. I'm I'm good at the freedom to not do. I really got that nailed. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like You're I'm really excelling at in, that. In the field, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, if the government can compel you to do something, you're not free. Even Well, it's important. Voting. Oh, come Tell on. They'll come taxes. up with a, Yeah, a exactly. List. Tell it to the tax man. <laughs> They'll uh, come up with a list of 150 things that are so important we need to compel you to do things. Don't give up your liberty, people. Well, they're compelling us to get health insurance. They figured a way around that. And that was, you Thanks, know, John Roberts, you numbskull. Historic new move. Some See, justice you turned out to be. So you think from a free speech standpoint, they, the government couldn't compel you to vote? No, no, absolutely not. It's anathema. Yeah. I'm against it just because it would have a whole bunch of really stupid people that have no idea what they're doing voting. That's my As main. opposed to now? <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. Even worse, Shawnee. Even know, worse. I know this is shocking, but as, as, as crazy as our results often are, but the, the, there's even a stupider crowd out there that doesn't pay any attention and doesn't vote. This is what we get with the people that are kind of, in theory, paying attention. Yeah, the depth of their stupidity is stupidity is like one of those sort of deep, deep rifts in the ocean. Nobody even knows. What do you know would fill a book, as they say? <laughs> um, we've got those poll numbers and other things on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. I think that there's probably uh, hysteria in Beijing right now. And, you know, President Trump at the Saturday coronavirus press briefing actually talked about this and said, we don't know whether this was a mistaken release or whether it was, quote unquote, done deliberately. But what President Trump has done is he's put this issue squarely to Beijing. And by the way, countries in Europe are also asking that same question to the Chinese. Yeah, so those various reports coming out of China about how, yeah, this started in one of our labs. Well, who who was who reported that, and how did it get out? Thank God it did. Brave journalists that they are, and they're probably in prison now, and so are all their family members. But uh, yeah, but man, that's heroic stuff. More on that later. I have not heard anybody raise any significant doubt no. about the lab story. By the way, that's just clearly what happened. So the uh, Wapo University of Maryland poll uh, is out. Uh, got about a three and a half. Okay. So, uh, how would you rate the overall response to the coronavirus outbreak? I don't uh, know. What are my choices? The federal governments, it's your excellent, good, not so good, poor. I'm uh, going to go with, I'd be, I think for the federal government, I think I'd be somewhere between good and poor. And yeah. it's, and, and it, it, I might be yeah. different than the rest of you, but when I think federal government, I don't have one person in mind. I don't think the whole thing is one person. Well, right, and I don't even think it's the administration. I mean, it obviously is the administration. It's not only the administration. It's a gigantic, massive, massive uh, uh, corporation, Yeah, in effect. Having thought about it for 10 seconds, I'm I'm definitely a poor. I would say poor on that. The fact that the, the, the CDC lied or was wrong, didn't know themselves, about the yep. number of tests that were available and then the inability to get that out and Stanford and various other people having tests and, and not being able to get them through the hurdles. I'm going with poor, poor, poor response from the federal government. Yes. The uh, net negative number is 51. The net positive number is 49. It's within the margin of error. Uh, only 12% say it's been excellent. 36% say good. 30% say not so good. And uh, 21% say poor. So I think it's notable that uh, poor is almost twice as many as excellent. Uh, the president in particular, net po- positive is 44, negative is 54. So that's uh, 10 points underwater. I, I, you know, I know that a lot of people disagree with it. I don't think he plays that much of a role in this whole thing. I think he's the decider, in the words of uh, George W. Bush. Uh, but, you know, he's getting advice from experts in the field, and including... You know, at the beginning of this thing, he, you know, assuming the president actually does this, and here's a hint, folks, he doesn't. He called down to the CDC and said, how are you guys doing for tests? And they said, we are up to speed, sir. We couldn't be better. All right, very good. And then he hung up and found out that, no, they're crappy and sloppy and terrible. Uh, anyway, uh, your, your state governor, uh, whoever that is, wherever you are, the uh, positives outweigh the negatives, 72 to 26. So governor's getting uh, credit. Uh, if employed, your employer, 87% uh, excellent or good, 12% not so good. Huh. I'd have to know more about that. What was my employer supposed to do that they didn't do? Uh, not fire me, I guess. Would you describe the coronavirus outbreak as a source of stress in your life or not? <laughs> Uh-huh. 
yes is uh, 69%. 31% say, no, it's not a source of You're stress. kidding me. Yeah, I know. How is that, that, that crazy? You're, you're trying too hard to be optimistic. <laughs> not a source of stress. So no, no economic stress. No, no, no family stress, kids being home from school. Worried about the economy Grandparents, parents, and nothing. No. 401k. Everything's exactly the same as it was before. That is just a stupid response. You third that said that are stupid people. Oh, no, no. Maybe they're just steady rolling, Jack, (laughs) keeping their heads while everybody loses theirs around them. You don't have to be be losing your head to recognize this is an extraordinary time in world history. Economically and health-wise, come on now. Has the coronavirus outbreak caused any financial hardship for you or others in your household? Yes, according to 50%. No, 50% so far. Uh, Let's see. Are you concerned about uh, being able to pay the bills if uh, you're affected? Uh, 69% say yes, if they've endured some sort of hardship. Um, And they get more into that. uh, And we we can talk about that the next segment. And there are a couple other interesting questions. Is but there... I believe my mouse has died. <laughs> Joe's mouse has died. Oh, he was such a cute little fella, too. Um, is there any science to back up whether or not we can be outside or not, like in the parks or the beaches? Or Let's yeah. take a look at that. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It was not easy. It wasn't easy for him or for anybody. Um, and it was, he made the difficult look easy because of his dominance, but he had to dig so deep year after year and it took so much out of him. Uh, but it was, uh, it was just an incredible thing to be a part of. That's Steve Kerr, current coach of the Golden State Warriors, who was on the Chicago Bulls for a while and is part of that documentary that's getting huge ratings on ESPN. Most watched documentary they've ever had by far, mm. and uh, and 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 a highly watched show just all the way around. Um, uh, some people are calling it the new Tiger King, and that it's it's the show that a, a giant group of Americans are watching right now. Obviously, particular particularly guys of a certain age. Yeah, um, yeah. I got to get into it. I, I'm I'm quarantining, as it were, with a couple of women's. It's only don't it's don't only have a lot of interest in it. It's only a ten part documentary, so <laughs> I watched like every game that season. I was a huge Bulls <laughs> fan, and I think I probably you know similar amount of time. How well done is it, Sean? It's, ex- it's, it's excellent. It's excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, you say so too, Michael. Yep, that's yeah. great. So the the backstory on this is. Uh, the Bulls handed a film crew essentially just unfettered access. Is that the right term? Oh unfettered? yeah, you told me this yesterday, and I hadn't heard this. This is, this does make it more interesting. Yeah, so they no fetters. They they had <laughs> a, they essentially a film crew was with them during the entirety of that season, but the agreement was, but you guys can't do anything with it until a certain number of people give the okay on it. And apparently, enough time has passed that enough people gave the thumbs up on it. And the last domino that fell was Jordan saying, "Okay, I'll I'll do some post." interviews about that time with you for this so they have all this video ten thousand hours of footage that they move that they ground down into about 10 hours and it's been long enough now that jordan apparently thinks ah whatever if i told yeah. somebody to f- flip off or well, how's it gonna hurt me at this point in my life you know what and uh and yeah so the, i can see how it'd be pretty interesting i doubt that i'm gonna watch a 10-part series on the chicago bulls with my current lifestyle but uh yeah 
You know, I uh, I used to think it was regrettable and awful that Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr. But lately, Steve Kerr's <laughs> politics and his mouth, I'm kind of glad he did there it. You go. In fact, I'd like to see him do it again. <laughs> Yeah, boy. So uh, let's just to finish up. Uh, my mouse has been revived with the uh, help of a double A battery, uh, so I can scroll through a little more. Oh, of this. you have a wireless mouse, aren't you, fan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. All those rich folks over on Melody Lane with their wireless <laughs> mouses. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, the percentage of 50-50 if you're uh, experiencing any uh, financial hardship of that roughly half of Americans who say they are um 69% Sean nice giggity <laughs> giggity <sighs> wow working our children is, I know Let, uh, let's just say just under 70% are uh um, I know what you mean concerned <laughs> child you know what cut Your off his child. mic child Cut off his mic. Um, Where was I? Oh, about 70% of those households are worried about being able to pay their bills over the next month. So you have roughly uh, 70%. That's about 40% of Americans are concerned about paying their bills this uh, over the next month. Well, it's got to be true. If those studies were accurate that... You know, a, a, a giant chunk of people don't have $400 set aside for an emergency. Right. Well, then, yeah. 61% of that 50%. Uh, so why don't we call that about 30% of Americans uh, are... Multiplying fractions. That's what they were doing in uh, in Sam's Zoom class yesterday. Really? That's what I'm doing in my head right that's now. A tough one. Thanks to my good, solid American public education. Decades ago. Anyway, about 30% of Americans are uh, concerned that they won't be able to afford food and basic household items. Uh, Oh, which uh, includes um, um, certain toilet paper and a shout out to, let me get the name here, uh, Robert in Beaverton, who sent us along a picture of the Costco there in beautiful Beaverton, Oregon, uh, which has racks and racks of toilet paper. Oh, really? So... uh, Poop away in Beaverton. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, oh, here we go. Do you personally know anyone who has been diagnosed with the coronavirus or not? I don't 20, personally know anybody, no. Uh, I do. Um, 26% of people say yes. That's 74%. amazing. Doesn't that seem like it's awfully low? Uh, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Hmm. That's an interesting point. I don't know. Has you or anybody you personally know been hospitalized? Uh, for coronavirus treatment, 55% say yes. Okay, I would say yes, I guess. Well, yeah, I absolutely would. Uh, have you worn a uh, face mask around? 65% yes. Uh, 18% no. 17% never left their home in the past week. Wow. Not even once. Wow. When do you expect the coronavirus outbreak to be controlled enough? This is people guessing, but I think it speaks to the economy and optimism, that sort of thing. So I'll throw it at you. When do you expect the coronavirus outbreak to be controlled enough that people can safely attend gatherings of 10 or more people? By the end of April, end of May, June, July, etc., later in 2020 or longer than that. End of April, 9%. May, 21%. June, 20%. End of July, 13%. Longer than that, 19%, etc. Longer than that is 19%? Yes, sir. 
Wow. Well, later in 2020 is 19%. 13% think it'll be in 2021. All right. Stay away from me. I'm going to gatherings of 10 right now. Look, we're not tongue kissing. We're not, you know, I just, please, I'm, I'm not paranoid. So that specified gatherings of 10 or more? Yes, sir. For that time? Okay. Well, did you say they canceled Oktoberfest in Germany? Obviously, the biggest ah. the biggest Oktoberfest in the world, and I don't know the exact date, but I assume it's in October. And I thought, you're canceling it in October? Okay. Seems pretty far off. Yeah, people can show up and get drunk and throw on their lederhosen at a moment's notice. Or not. Just uh, out of curiosity, one final question. Uh, party ID. Generally speaking, do you usually think of yourself as a Democrat or Republican, independent, or what? That's actually one of the choices. Or what? Uh, 31 Democrat, 27 Republican, 40% independent, uh, other statistically insignificant, and no opinion one. Shut up. Leave me alone. <sighs> I hate that politics get involved in this at all, the party thing. I've noticed that Fox has governors on from states that are opening back up, and uh, the other Trump-hating channels have governors on from states where they're not opening back up, and they just make the argument, you know, in, in agreement or not agreement with Trump. Right. That's, you know, the only the and, only dividing line. And oh, to run an experiment where you could just flip-flop those positions, put them in each other's oh, mouths, right. Right. and then see how the crowds clamor. Yeah. Of course, generally speaking, Republicans, people who learn conser- lean conservative, I would argue understand business better. And are much more sympathetic to the needs of America's small businesses. Because they understand the reason anybody has a job is because there are employers. The employers are not the bad guys. They're the good guys. So headline today in uh, economics, U.S. stocks drop, uh, oil market shutters. The bagel you're holding in your hand for breakfast is worth more than a barrel of oil, which is really pretty interesting. Uh. And I wish I had one of those gigantic storage tanks, man. I'd buy up some crude oil. Oh, I've filled, hundreds of thousands of gallons. I have filled our swimming pool, our horse tank. That's just uh, smart. Lots of uh, milk jugs, all with crude oil. <laughs> that's just that's just, just smart. Just storing them by the uh, the wood stove. I'd go ahead and touch metal before I picked up those jugs. A little static electricity, and <laughs> they'll, well, they could see the fireball for a hundred miles. Um, so, Tom, we're talking about goats, the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan, a little bit ago in the world of football. It is Tom Brady, and uh, he got in trouble for being out in a park exercising. You know, our parks are closed down, and so a lot of our park staff, you know, they patrol around just to make sure that their people aren't in there with contact sports and things. And uh, saw an individual working out in one of our downtown parks, and she went over to tell him that it was closed and it was Tom Brady. Tampa Bay Buccaneer Tom Brady, that's right, Buccaneer Tom Brady, uh, was working out in the park, and somebody called the police on him. You can't have that. Somebody's in the park working out. Does that make any sense that we can't be in parks? Alone working out? Is there anything to back that up? Tucker Carlson took on that topic last night. Here's a little bit of that. That would be cut number, whichever one that is. 49? 49. Stay inside, save lives. They repeat that like the vacuous bumper sticker that it is. In fact, actual science suggests the opposite is true. Being outside is far safer. It's also good for you. Researchers have consistently found that fresh air and exercise boost your immune system. It's just like your grandmother claimed. As a recent piece in The Atlantic put it, quote, 
The outdoors and sunshine are such strong factors in fighting viral infections that a 2009 study of the extraordinary success of outdoor hospitals during the 1918 influenza epidemic suggested that during the next pandemic, which we're living through, we should encourage the public to spend as much time outdoors as possible, end quote, as much time outdoors as possible. Yet, as you may have noticed, our politicians are doing precisely the opposite. So Tucker Carlson points to a couple of different studies over, uh, well, that one's a century old, but over recent years and currently showing and, and various countries around the world where they're doing this, showing that being outside is 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 not dangerous and may have positive effects. The real danger of viruses is people being in closed spaces. Right. Um, and there's just not science to back up the idea that we can't be at parks, that the kids can't be running around the park, that you can't be on the beach, that you can't be on the golf course. Yet they're doing it anyway all across the country. Right. What now, the hell is that? I'm willing to have a discussion about the playground equipment. Oh, no, no, Although, no, no. No, that's absolutely that that that's that's without a doubt. But nobody was playing on the playground equipment. I just attest, running around kicking a ball. I can attest Please. to this because I've been to the playground a lot with the kids. And nobody was using the playground equipment, but where people were running around in the grass. Yeah, we've got to step in and prevent that. Or, or fill the, do you see what they filled in the, uh, the skate parks with sand in a couple of cities in California? Guys brought out their dirt bikes and were using it as a, uh, as a, a motocross. I love that. Fight the power, fellas. And, and listen, I'm not a, dis, dis, a COVID denier or, or, or conspiracy weirdo or anything like that. I just think if you are going to deny people their liberty, you need a damned sound reasoning and not just some government expert unchallenged, said it'd probably be a good idea because their only interest is covering their own ass. They have, and and listen, if I were to put it more charitably, I'd say like your county health director, his or her only interest is in minimizing the spread of the disease. And that's fine. That's that's noble, probably. Um, Although I think a lot of these uh, petty bureaucrats, they, they love the power and they just get a little bit turgid exercising the power. Having said that, <clears throat> unnecessarily graphically, probably, uh, there has to be somebody representing the other side of this thing. You can't be so fixed. I mean, it's, the example's been used. You know, if we were completely fixated on preventing traffic deaths like we are with the COVID-19 thing right now, the speed limit would be 15 miles per hour all over America. If there were nobody if it saves saying, well, even listen, one the economy life. would die. Right, exactly. If yeah. it saves even one life, Joe, the speed limit needs to be 15 miles an hour on the highways. Well, there has to be somebody raising their hand and say, uh, yeah, that would ruin everybody's life. So, <laughs> not so much. Why don't we come up with a compromise? So we're going That's to what allow... we have to do. We're looking for a speed limit, Jack, that allows us to function so we're going in terms to, of COVID. With the car thing, you, you, we may, we've made the decision as a society. We're going to allow tens of thousands of deaths a year. Tens of thousands of deaths every single year. Just we'll try it's... to prevent them. Yeah, I try not to get well, them myself, but I'm right. willing to accept that there will be 40,000 deaths a year. Um, we're not operating that way currently with Corona. No. God, how many people are going to get infected and die that were on a golf course or a park or a beach? As long as it's not crowded. Vanishingly few, as they say in the stats not business. Not enough to justify closing them down, but that's no. what we've done. Not even close. Our text, not even close. I'd like to know what you think. We'd like to know what you think. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. I don't KF- give a damn what they think. You were right the first time. <laughs> no, I do. I do care. 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong.
The U.S. official with direct knowledge tells me that the U.S. is now monitoring intelligence that the health of the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is in grave danger. This is following a surgery in recent days. He was absent from that ceremony five days ago. Uh, it was four days before when he was last seen in public at a Politburo meeting. Yeah, well, that's kind of a, a tempered version of the Kim Jong-un story. NBC went with breaking news and tweeted last night that Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, is brain dead. We are reporting at this hour. You're brain dead. And then everybody uh, ran with it and uh, reported on the fact that NBC had reported. And then mm. NBC deleted the tweet later and said, uh, we don't, uh, we, uh, we're not sure, really. He got better. <laughs> He's better now. And Or we, we just don't have any idea what we're talking about. And I'm saying, if you're, if you're Jim's house of breaking news or something, you can do that. But if you're NBC News, you cannot report... That the leader, particularly an enemy and nuclear power, the leader of that country is dead unless you're freaking certain. You can't do that, NBC. That's Peter not an Jennings option. Is rolling over in his Canadian grave. And I immediately went to my alerts and, well, nothing from the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal. None of my alerts had that. No, because they weren't going to report what would be a giant world story without knowing for certain. Which is just so weak, NBC. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. And I appreciate you giving uh, NBC the kick and they deserve. I'm thinking about the geopolitical angles, though. Well, first of all, Lil Fathead, is he known to be a germaphobe or anything? I mean, he could just be hiding out from the COVID. It started right next door. Huh? China? He's probably eating a couple of bats in his time. I don't, why would I say that? He looks like he's eaten quite a few bats <laughs> dipped in gravy. Yeah, fried bats. Yeah, <laughs> order them grilled, Kim Jong. Uh, no, it wasn't bat eating. It was a bat lab that was run sloppily, as we know uh, now. But so, little fathead, if he is indeed in poor health, because you remember a couple of years ago. There were stories about him having uh, diabetes and oh, gout right, right, and right. Well, yeah, all yeah. sorts of health problems. Yeah, there's been times where he, and he's, he's a pretty fat guy for his age. He's very fat. Yeah. And, and, uh, and and he's had times where he kind of walks a little, has a little, looks like he's struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he gets those, uh, those commie coats, whatever you call those, those Chairman Mao looking coats, custom made, no doubt. So. That's as flattering as they can be, and, probably, and he looks like a damn walking dirigible. He's so. probably got a couple of dissidents down there holding his gut in as he walks along. <laughs> um, wow! Isn't he only wow. like? Isn't he only like thirty-five? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And so he's young. Yeah, but boy, if he is uh, dying or whatever, who's going to take over that that uh, little gal, a cutie that we saw at the Olympics? few years ago, you remember speaking of the crappy American news media. Remember that headline was at the New York Times. She's North Korea's Ivanka Trump. Right. <laughs> you numbskulls. Um, anyway, who takes over her? Well, Ian Bremmer tweeted that there he doesn't believe there's any succession plan in North Korea. Oh, my gosh. They don't have a plan. So whichever general gets his hands on the nukes first is is in, in charge, I guess? No, you never know. I mean, the, the, the guy could croak it, and uh, the generals look around and say, I don't like this lifestyle, you. Damn, me either. I've been waiting for him to die. So, and then, you know. Let's get on the horn to South Korea and see if we can work something out. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but our 25 million people are mostly starving. Next thing you know, you got a, a Pyongyang Disney Park. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful dream. Anyway, we'll keep you up to date on little fathead's health if we hear anything. You get to eat two pieces of corn a day. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Uh, that's dark. Uh, you know what? We don't have time for this, but I want to get to it. The Facebook fact checkers are utterly corrupt and, and bent. The idea that, that those of you who want your social media platforms to be filtering out fake news and the rest of it, I've, I've said this many times, I will continue to say it because every bit of evidence I get is in agreement with this point of view. They are wildly biased. They are naive tech heads. They have no idea what they're doing, and the cure is way worse than the disease. A great example of that coming up in a, just a minute or two and, or three, if you get the next hour of the show. And was that fake news yesterday? Uh, we were reporting that uh, Facebook wasn't allowing any of these rallies to be promoted on their website. Zuckerberg says it was. I got more on that coming up in just a He second. says it was fake news. How interesting. So uh, stay tuned for that. All right. Yeah, and if you don't get the next hour of the show, you got to go somewhere or whatever. You can always grab the podcasts at armstrongandgetty.com. Where, where could you possibly have to go that's better than listening to the show? I don't know. Armstrong and Getty.